with George Floyd and some of the things that have been going on nationally. And so that tells me that God, who knows the beginning from the ending, the Alpha and the Omega, who sees all and knows all, already wanted to speak to his church before events transpired. And so we're going to address that, but continue to share that on social media. And if you're watching online, please, please do that. Um, because, again, it, this is not so, well, I'm looking to gain notoriety. I'm trying to get my name out there. And it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do when God lays a message on my heart that I know would impact a life. Man, I'd love to get that message out so someone can hear the word of God. That's what this is. And so let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 11. Starting in verse 2, it said, And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. They said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach up to heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Which is exactly what God called them to do after the ark of Noah, the worldwide flood. He said, multiply and replenish the earth. And they said, no, we're going to stick around here. And we're going to try and make a name for ourselves. We want to be like God. Well, that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And so the sin of pride was still there as they said, we want to make a name. We want to build a tower. We want to be in one place. And this morning, I want to preach on this title, When Difference Causes Division. When Difference Causes Division. Lord, God, you are so powerful, and we are incredibly thankful to be back in this building. But I'm just as thankful to have an online audience that is still tuning in and viewing so there are so many men, women, and children that are watching this, either live or in person. And God, I pray that they would be blessed. I pray, Lord God, that your word would come to life because your word's powerful. It doesn't need any help or assistance. But God, as a man, as a human being who is filled with fault and failures, I stand in this pulpit, Lord, humbled, knowing that I, I've got to have you speaking through me with, Lord, your anointing and compassion and spiritual authority that comes only from your throne. And so, God, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts and minds to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. See, this, 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 this story known as the Tower of Babel, it takes place about 130 years after Noah's Ark. It's not that long, but sinful humanity, pride is there again. And so they want to build this tower all the way to heaven. Make a name for myself. Be like God. And look at verse 5 through 9. It says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. Um, builded, see? There it is, Kiera. It's, it's King James English. She told me last night when I got home, Dad, you said builded. <laughs> like I am not educated. <laughs> and I was supposed to say Built. But it's King James English from 1611. So be careful what thee say. <laughs> and thou home. God knew when humanity was in unity and one mind and one accord, anything can happen. And this was not his will to sit here and build a tower to heaven. But he said, nothing will be restrained from them which they've imagined to do. So when we are in one mind and one accord, ooh, that's a, that's a good phrase. 
Now anything can happen. And since he says, he says, go to, let, let, let us go down, confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it's called Babel, because the Lord did confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. See, unity was there, but it wasn't the will of God. And so God says, I'm going to come down, I'm going to confound their language, they're going to be spread out, and this right here is the beginning of of cultural diversity. This is where we see languages enter into the world. As what we see in Scripture, there was only one language, one speech in the world at this time. But because of their humanity, their sin, he sent them and confound the languages. And here we now have the beginning of what? Speaking German and English and Spanish and Swahili and Russian and French, and all these. I mean, imagine working on a job site, and you say, hey, can you hand me that hammer? And they hand you the hammer, and that's Thursday. Friday, you come back to the job site, you say, hand me the hammer, and they're going, que no comprendo? <laughs> You're like, well, what in the world, man? What's the, hand me the hammer. What are you saying? It's hard enough to work on a team on a job site. Imagine one day you're speaking the same language, and the next day you're no longer speaking the same language. What a challenge. Well, today, guess what today is? We are a Pentecostal church returning to in-person gatherings on Pentecost Sunday. How cool is that? And so today as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, the day of Pentecost commemorates that very thing about being united as one in one mind in one accord. Acts 2 verse 1 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, what does it say? They were all with one accord in one place. One place, one accord, unified in mind. They, they were unified in their desire for what they expected from the Lord. And guess what God does? Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And, and man, oh man, you can get the Holy Ghost sitting down. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. How did they know they got this spirit of God that the scripture talks about? They, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance. So somebody says, oh, Pentecostals, they believe in speaking in tongues. This is, this is demonic. Where does it say the sound came from? Heaven, this is not, this is scriptural. Well, that seems weird. Why would God choose this strange way of speaking some language in sounds that you've never spoke before? It sounds like a cult to me. You know, people say these things, but when you study scripture, it makes perfect sense. This day of Pentecost was a complete reversal of what Babel was. Babel was God's people. They were unified, but then they spoke different languages because of sin and pride. But God had always desired. Did he make a mistake when he created the world with one language and one speech? Was it an accident? Did he say, you know what, I didn't mean to do that? 
No, that was his plan. We messed it up. So he says, I'm going to go back to my original plan, but I'm not going to choose, choose German and, and Swahili and, and French. I'm not going to choose Italian. I'm not going to choose, because then, then that just forms more, more bigotry. It forms more racism. I'm not, I'm not choosing that. I'm choosing a heavenly language. I'm going to have my people speak sounds, and a sound came from heaven, and they're going to speak a language nobody's ever spoke before. And it's once again going to bring unity to the body of believers. And that will be the sign, the, 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 the token that, that they will see that they are now filled with my spirit. And so it's an exact reversal of Babylon. Initially at the beginning of humanity, it appears that God created this, this culture. But Babel, it's, it's separation, a, a division, a breaking apart. They were in the same place but began to speak different languages. And so their views of one another changed. Yesterday I was working on a job site with you. Today we're different. And so what do we say? They no longer speak my language. You see, people immediately start making the mistake when someone is different than them. It becomes my neighborhood, my language, my culture, my skin color, my views. And consciously or subconsciously, we start to view things through our lens. And our becomes People who think like we do, speak the language we do, dress the way we do, have the same skin color that we do, and hold to the same opinions that we do. This view took early, it took hold early in humanity, but it's especially prevalent in North America today. We view things through a lens of individualism. But see, that's not the way the Bible was. The Bible was a, a corporate book. God views things corporately. Look at the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, many of them are nationwide laments. Nationwide songs. When David says, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant back, he didn't just call the leadership. He, didn't, he says the whole nation gathered around. That's why his wife, Micah, she says, why are you dancing before the Lord uh, with the linen ephod? Why, why, you, why are you doing all this? Why are you dancing looking like a crazy man? Because he danced in front of the whole nation. The Passover lamb in the Old Testament, it wasn't, he says, you know what? When it's big enough, you just share it with your neighbors. It was a communal thing. When Israel brought, brought, brought that, that, that Ark of the Covenant, it was a nationwide, nationwide worship service. But today, it's, oh, my church. Jesus died for my sins. It, let me tell you about my marriage. And I know the plans he has for me. Can I tell you about what my ministry is? But notice God's, he takes on flesh and says, God so loved the, the world, he gave his only begotten son. And then he pours the spirit out on Pentecost and they were all in one accord and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And that outpouring takes place just, just, just weeks after, right? Just right shortly thereafter, Matthew 28, 19, where he's ascending to heaven and he says, go ye therefore and teach all the people in your neighborhood, all the people with your skin color, all the people who speak your language, 
all the people who make about the same amount as your household income. He says, I want you to go out and teach all nations, every single nation. I want you to teach all of them. I want you to go reach the entire world. God had a chosen people, the Jews, because of Abraham's immediate response in obedience when God called him. But God always had a plan to have one people, but pride and sin messed that up. But the, the blood of Calvary, though, it can bring an entire world back together again as one but how does that happen? How do you do that for thousands of years? Fighting among, they were fighting among nations and tribes. The Old Testament is filled with, with fighting, with wars, with battles. It's filled, the Old Testament is filled with fighting, racism, bigotry, and prejudice. God never approves it. That's the beauty of the Bible is, you know, it's inspired text. If you wrote a book about your family lineage, you probably would just like to focus on the high points. Nobody's going to say, and then we woke up and my husband was screaming at me, so I screamed back at him. Now we'd be like, yeah, you know, we're married. It was 37 years, 42 years of bliss. Let's skip all the other stories. <laughs> but the Bible, it lets us into everything. The failures, the faults, all the high points, the low points. We read about all of it. But the nation would rise against nation in the Old Testament, and it just signaled the need for a Savior. And then Jesus comes, God takes on flesh, and he dwells among us, and he pays the price, even at a time where there was, again, social unrest with the Romans. But all it did is it pointed signals to another, a need for a Savior. Jesus' disciples were walking with him in Matthew 24, and they said, how do we know when the end of the world is going to come? And Jesus starts to give out a list. Look at Matthew 24. He starts to give out a list, and he says in verse 5, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. It will deceive many, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. These things must come to pass, but the end is not near. But then he says, for nation shall rise against nation. We always just view then in the lens of like, oh, yeah, England and Russia and the United States and Canada. And, and uh, what about nationality against nationality? It just signals the need for a savior. It signals the fact that Christ, once again, will be coming back. And so the attitude that started at Babel continues even yet today. At Babel, no, they speak their language, I'll speak my language. They go their way, I'll go my way. And when humanity gets to this place, we will leave the place we once had unity, and we will go to a different place. Why? Because we feel like nobody understands me there, and it takes too much effort to try and work it out. 
Instead of trying to listen and understand where the person's coming from, the person who looks different than me, dresses different than me, speaks a different language than I do, has a different skin color than I do, and has completely different viewpoints than I do, I will continue to just say things like, my culture, my language, my skin color, my community, my church, my God, my ministry. And that language and mindset isolates rather than brings together. And for lack of being intentional, we can isolate those who are different than us. And I'll just say it like I did last night. We can just act like the elephant isn't in the room. Or we can just grab the bull by the horns. And I'm the type that just likes to (laughs) grab the bull by the horns. Because I'm not going to act like there's not an elephant in the room. Let's talk about this. Let's, let's get it on the table. Let's, let's have an open discussion here today. This is exactly that mindset. My, 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 my. That's the mindset that causes churches. You got the African-American church. You got the Caucasian church, the Hmong church. You got the Hispanic, Spanish-speaking church. You got, and then we get all these different churches. And I just show me in Scripture where God says that's his plan. Show me where in the Bible it says that. And many people will say, well, I have no idea. Well, I'm not racist. I'm not prejudiced. But our language can be exclusive rather than inclusive. And we might not even realize it. If we ever get to the place where we look around our church at a church service and everyone looks like I do, eats all the foods I eat, dresses exactly how I do, has the same skin color I do, And every person has English as their first language, and they were raised in the same type of neighborhood that I was. We have got a massive problem in the church. Somewhere, I lost my mission from Christ to go and teach and reach every nation in every tongue, in every person, in every culture. Look what Apostle John is. He's given an inspiration. God's showing him a vision of, of heaven. And the Apostle John begins to write what he sees in Revelation 7, 9. Look what it says. It says... After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations. Oh, he does not say, oh, I I saw in heaven, I looked around, and I, as a a white guy, saw all white people. I, as a person who speaks English, just saw all English-speaking people. I, as a middle-class American, saw all middle-class Americans. That's insanity. He said, oh, let me tell you what I see. I see uh, people gathering around the throne. Every nation, every tongue, every kindred, every people. I saw people as we in unity began to worship God. And we began to, to raise him up and to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It wasn't people that looked and acted and spoke just like I do. You know, if, you, if, 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 if you're racist, you would have hated Pentecost. If you're racist, you're, you're, you would hate heaven. But the good news is, you're, for you, you're probably not going to be there.
I'm thankful we have people that have gone before us who are against racism, bigotry, prejudice, stereotype. Even in the Bible, Jesus faced stereotypes. Matthew 13, 55, they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Carpenter was not like a high respected position. That was not a compliment. Oh, isn't this the, oh, you're a carpenter. Great. I would like you to build me a kitchen cabinet. They're like, this is the carpenter's son. These brothers are James and Joe. I mean, what the world? There wasn't a lot of respect there. John 1.46, Nathaniel said to him, he's, he called and, and, and he says, can there any, he, or I'm sorry, Nathaniel said unto him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And, and Philip, Philip was trying to get his buddy Nathaniel. And then Nathaniel looks and says, does anything worthwhile come out of that city? Anybody ever heard someone talk about neighborhoods like that? Jesus came from that neighborhood. Look what happened one time when Paul, Apostle Paul was being beat for his faith. Acts 22, 22. The crowd listened unto Paul, and they, they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow. He's not fit to live. And they yelled, and they threw off their coats. They tossed handfuls of dust in the air. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him to confess to his crime. And he wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. And when they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Hey, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't been tried? And the officer heard this and said to the commander, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. Paul was treated one way. And when they heard of his nationality, he was treated a different way after that. Folks, please don't be naive to think that there are throughout Old Testament, New Testament, and earlier centuries, there was racism, bigotry, prejudice, stereotype, and throughout the Bible, the 21st century, and but then when we get to the 21st century today, it somehow magically disappeared. Can I tell you something? This is powerful. God gave me this message. I was done before anything happened in Minnesota. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I'll just say, man, maybe I should or shouldn't say this. I don't know. Hopefully it's okay. But after everything happened with Ahmaud Arbery, being shot on a street, texted and called every African-American member of this church. And I said, what can I do different? What can I personally do to make a difference in society? What can I do to make Refuge Church a safer place for every culture, specifically speaking of African-Americans in this context? It's easier to just act like it doesn't exist because we're uncomfortable with it. Or we can say, yeah, but this, and yeah, but that, but, but you never know. Just shut your mouth. And just say, I'm sorry. And maybe just say, what can I do? What can I say? How can I, what can I do to, to make a difference? I only experienced extreme racism one time in my life. I was in Jamaica, New York. People were beeping at us, shouting obscene things. Asked saying, go home, are you in the wrong neighborhood? I, I experienced it one time, and it was miserable, and I will never forget it as long as I'm alive. 
And I know some people here, you've experienced racial profiling and stereotypes, maybe even recently, maybe just a couple days, maybe within the last 24 hours. I don't know. You might be saying, man, you're lucky to only experience it once. And I probably am. So even if something comes out, well, yeah, but the details of that case and this case and this one and this one, like, yeah, but this, that wasn't a racially motivated thing. That wasn't, I still want to take time and talk about racism today. And I'll say this, I could have walked into a house under construction. I don't think my neighbors would have chased me down the street and shot me with a shotgun. So it's time for the church to acknowledge the fact that it's not, there's racism in our world. I know you say, man, come back Pentecost Sunday. I was expecting something a little different than this. But you'll see here in a second, the, the, the church, it's so much easier to just, oh. No, no, no. Refuge has to be just that. Refuge. Other than apologizing for the acts of people who have the same skin color as I do, please don't lump me with every person that has the same skin color. I can only add that I know Jesus Christ experienced it both in life and death. This was never his plan for the earth. It was caused by sin. And Refuge Church is a safe place. We must be intentional. It's part of the reason why. I can't say we must be intentional and not address it. I'm being intentional today. We must teach our kids to be intentional. You see, whenever people talk about this, tension fills the room. It's, it's here like, like you don't even want to turn and look. The white person must they might think I'm, I'm looking at them. The Hispanic person might think I'm looking at them. The African-American might think I'm looking at them. So we just stare straight ahead, tense. That's why it drives me crazy when people say, I don't see color. Well, then you better get your eyes checked. Because guess what? I see color. I get what people are trying to say there, but guess what? If I mean, if, if me and Addison pull up our sleeves, my tan ain't as good as his, right? <laughs> We're different. We're different. God gave him a different color skin than he gave me, than a different colored skin than Sister Blanca has. He gave us different color skin. But here's the thing. Oh, I don't see color. I see it. But at Refuge Church, we don't tolerate diversity. What did he just say? We don't tolerate diversity. We embrace it. We embrace it. Oh, you dress different than I do. Well, that's fine. What in the world? I mean, I want to have, if you dress just like I do, where would we shop? My word. You eat different food than I do. Absolutely. Eat all the refried beans you want. Just leave the barbecue, okay? 
but you're, you, you speak a different language than me. Well, that's beautiful. You ever heard somebody worship or sing a, a, a song in a different language? You still will feel the presence of God. You can go to a, I've gone to a Spanish service, and you know what? I've taken people that don't, they don't speak. They, all they know is hola, and that's it. And they say like hola, and they don't even say it right, okay? <laughs> and they will go to a Spanish service and cry tears because you still feel the presence of God, even in a language you don't even understand. And so when we, so no, say, well, well, we're all the same. No, we're not. And we are okay with that. We embrace that. That's what we want. We're a different skin tone, but guess what? As long as I'm grabbing the bull by the horns, let's just deal with all of it today. We're a people of different opinions, too. I don't like that one as much as the other stuff, but I still embrace that. You know, our leadership team, we, you know what makes this church great and strong? One of the reasons is our leadership team disagrees with each other. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? I do not want someone on the leadership team of Rescue Church that just says, yes, Pastor, absolutely, Pastor, yes, yes, yes. We'll have discussion. I'll say, I got a great idea. And Michelle might look and say, that's a terrible idea. And Caesar, he never shares his opinion, but... I took turn off my mic. I say that in jest because I love Cesar Munoz. I, I love our leadership team. I love the fact when someone will say, I got a different thought on that. I got a different opinion. And we say, you know what? Yeah, you know, I didn't think about that. Let's, let's, let's go a different direction. Maybe let's, well, what can we do to make this work? There's strength there. And right now with COVID-19, people are a lot of fear. And you might be here today a little bit fearful. You, may, you know, people are watching online. This is not to knock anybody. There's a danger that comes along with a virus, a pandemic. But you know what I'm, I'm just as concerned about with COVID-19? Not just the virus portion that can all oh, get in our lungs. It could cause damage. It could even cause death. I'm concerned about that virus breaking the unity of churches. People that are friends with me, guess what? There are United Pentecostal churches across the nation and the world that are started having services weeks ago. There's some that have no plan to start services. There are people just like me that are doing things different than I'm doing them. Last night, we had several people here with masks. Great people that love God. We have a lot of great people here who don't wear masks that are amazing people who love God. There are people watching online right now that have said, Pastor, I'm just not comfortable coming back to the building yet, and they love God just as much as you do. And people can say, Pastor, I think you went back too late. Pastor, I think you went back too early. We do what we feel to do. And we all are a church filled with different opinions. If we're not careful. Bunch of morons. Oh, oh, I can't believe this. Oh, yeah, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to find me a new church. Why? Because I think different than you do. Just be careful. Don't. There's a, there's a war. There's an underlying in war on unity. Because without unity... God can't pour. Notice before the Spirit gets outpoured, the first thing is they were all in one accord, in one place. Without unity, the Spirit of God cannot be poured out. 
And so we have to be aware. Hey, you have a different opinion? I respect that. Hey, you're at home today? Thank you so much for joining us. And that's okay. But we just can't allow murmuring and complaining and say, well, I'm just going to go find everybody that thinks like I do and looks like I do. That's not the will of God for your life. You see, this weekend, as we celebrate Pentecost in a Pentecostal church, reopening again on the week of Pentecost, please remember something. Pentecost was not solely speaking in tongues. Absolutely, Pentecost is great. And speaking in tongues was a massive, massive part of Pentecost. But it's not the only part of Pentecost. Speaking in tongues was a unity, a sign of unity that we once again come back together as one. The sin and pride at Babel caused divided tongues. Pentecost brought the world together and God allowed us once again to speak the same language. He says, I'm going to send my spirit from heaven, and they're going to be speak sounds they've never spoken before. And if you're here and you have never spoken in tongues, no matter what your culture is, your language, your skin color, your socioeconomic background, God wants to put his spirit within you and begin to speak the same heavenly language once again. See, imagine what it sounds like in heaven. And I'm already almost done. Imagine what it sounds like as you begin to, people begin to pray all over the world. And again, someone's praying in Italian and someone's praying in French. Someone's praying in English. Someone's praying in Spanish. Someone's praying in Swahili. Someone's praying in all these different languages. And then all of a sudden, they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives them the utterance. What was divided tongues coming up into a throne room now is a unified voice in one language. Imagine what the angels do as they begin to hear believers from all around the world. It's just a taste of heaven. Pentecost was just a taste of heaven when every single nation and every single tribe say, I heard them speak in my own tongue. That was a miracle. It was a sign of things to come in heaven when we stand around a throne speaking the same language, saying the same thing. Oh God, we're still different in our look and we're still different in appearance, but God brings us together. You see, don't just stop at verse 4. We love that as apostolic Pentecostals. And the, and the Bible says, yeah, when the, the Pentecostals fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Stop there. Woo! Yes! And we go, dun, 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 dun. And we're powerful. And we're, we're excited. And then we open up the altars and we say, we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we do. But read on, God was reaching to every single nation, every single tongue. He was setting the stage when he says to his apostles, his disciples, he's ascending into heaven. He says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He purposely has them wait until the day of Pentecost. And he, and he, 50 days after Passover, he has them wait there in Jerusalem. And he knows that it was Pentecost, a time where all of the known world would converge on Jerusalem. And he purposely had it where every tongue and every nation would be there there and they would begin to say wow I hear these people speaking in my language because look at this as you read on it says and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews devout men of every nation under heaven and it says and they were there uh, um, and they were dwelling I'm sorry verse 6 now when this was noise abroad the multitude came together and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak 
in his own language. That doesn't happen today, but on that, not always, but on that initial outpouring, that happened. Why? Because God was setting the stage for something supernatural. He wanted every nation to know God was doing something, and I want in on that. So then if they could experience it, they could take it back to their nation, and all it did is it set the stage. It opened the door for global revival, which was always God's plan. And you read on and says, how can, how do we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And why does Luke take time to give us these? Why doesn't he say, they got the Holy Ghost. It was awesome. People are from all over the world. Boom, move on. Why does Luke begin to say these next several verses? He, why does he tell us in verse 9, hey, guess who was there? There were Parthians and Medes and Elamites, the dwellers of Mesopotamia in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia. Oh, there were people from Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya about Cyrene. There were strangers in Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. And guess what? Every single one of them heard people speaking in tongues in, in the wonderful works of God. Oh, praise God. Listen, Pentecost was a, was a multicultural thing. God's vision for his church was a multicultural thing. Heaven, heaven is a multicultural thing. Oh, stand to your feet. God's plan was to put a bunch of different people from a bunch of different parts of the world with a bunch of different skin colors, with a bunch of different languages, and a bunch of different opinions. And he wanted to wash away all of our sins. He wanted to fill all of us with his spirit. He wanted all of us to speak a global, eternal language known as tongues. And God said, I want to bring you all together and make you the church, make you the body of Christ. This morning, I'm not inviting people as we normally do. Keep social distance, and you're not going to come across a front uh, around the altar. But I invite you right in your pew. Maybe you want to stand and raise your hands. Maybe you want to kneel down and respond in prayer. Just don't leave without responding. Know that you are a part of something so powerful that God has always desired. That you know what? We can't rid the entire world of all the sin and racism is sin. And, and different opinions, oh, that's not sin. But people will say, I got to go somewhere where people think like I do. And, and, they, and they speak like I do. And they look like I do. And you can feel like this isn't the church for you. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody make you feel that way. Don't let, I've never heard about a racist thing, but if it happens in Refuge Church, please come and tell me because I want to cut that out as fast as possible. Because why? Because I want this to be our Pentecost. I want this to be a time where just like Pentecost, we can say, oh man, there were people from this area, from this neighborhood, from this country, who had this skin color, who had this, English was their second language. And, I, and we had this person, and this man, this woman, this child, every age, every socioeconomic background, all the different education levels, and we all got together. And as we began to raise our voice in one mind, in one accord, the Spirit of God began to be poured out. If you're watching online, God's Spirit is there in your living room right now. Raise your hands in the air and allow God to fill you with His Spirit. Right now, you can begin to speak a heavenly language that will come up into the throne room where angels and God alike, they don't need a translator. That heavenly language begins to fill the throne room that we sang about earlier today. And yes, oh, it's coming from people who look different, who eat different, who act different, but together, by the blood of Christ, we are one church, one body, one language, and it's a heavenly language.
language, a reversal of Babylon, a reversal of what was caused by sin. Oh, begin to raise your voice right now. Not by might, not by power, by your spirit, God. Send your spirit, God. Not by might, not by power, by your spirit, God. to you. 